10th, 10th yeah. of October. We've been here 11 years yesterday. Oh. It's not by coincidence that it's Oasis Community Trust is OCT and it was October when we moved here. We always used to say that was a, you know, it's like something about OCT. So if you wanted to shorten the trust name, it would be OCT. October, so feast of, feast of something or other in October, can't remember what it is. Right, okay, let's have a little prayer and uh, thank you, Father. See, will you take us? Say, Father, thank you so much that we are your children, that we don't have to actually look out for ourselves because you're the one. The shepherd is responsible for the sheep. We're not responsible for ourselves. You look after us. You lead us. You provide for us. You hold the universe together. Father, forgive us when we get wobbly about provision. We only need to look around, consider the birds of the air and the lizards of the field. Uh, they don't have to go into great, enormous pleadings with you to get their needs met. Don't even think about it. I haven't seen a sparrow lately with her nervous breakdown. He just goes out and gets his breakfast and his lunch and he expects us to turn the uh, water on for his bath in the afternoon so he's, he's fully looked after. Father, thank you that we are fully looked after. Father calls us to become Christ-centred instead of egocentric. Father, that's what causes us to go off course, off shape, out of balance when we get ourselves in the middle instead of you. Father, thank you that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Teach us to enjoy you, Lord. Because you said through Graham, you want your enjoyment too. So teach us to be reciprocal in our enjoyment as you enjoy us. Father, in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. So Psalm 119, the Aleph, Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. They also don't do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. That's the perfect bit. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. Gives you heart, doesn't it? That David slipped off the path from time to time. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn of your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. Brilliant. His words, his laws, his lines, his precept upon precept. It's like rule upon rule, line upon line, says in Isaiah. Uh, in fact, if you heard Roger Price on it where it says, um, but the word of the Lord has come to us, a line upon line, precept upon precept. He said what they're actually saying, the people, to Isaiah is, nah, 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 nah. That's what they're saying. We're not taking any notice of what you're saying. It's just words to us. If you want to look it up, there's a dictionary there, you might find um, 
That's it, command law and rule. There we are, it's his commandments. <coughs> Gina's brought something in for us this morning about God's army of worshippers. And again, it's what the Lord is calling us to right now is to be Him-centred, not self-centred, because it's the only way to, to walk in victory. Um, it's just the only way a worshipping heart truly allows God to restore the soul. When we look away from ourselves and we look to Him, we find that actually that which we were bothered about has disappeared because we focused on something else. I've got a, a I believe that that's how I started on Saturday, but I can't remember. I'll need to listen to that to find out exactly what it was. <coughs> okay. So I'll get you some copies of that for next week, or you can read it while you're here, but don't pinch my copy. Or if you send me it by email, I'll distribute it out. Okay. Brilliant. Because I'll be on the email tonight, so I can... Puff it through. Can you send me better than Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, what I ostensibly want to look at this morning is uh, the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of patience. Um, but when I came to start looking at it, I, I prayed as I do last night. I said, "Father, fresh bread, please," in the morning. Um, and the, the scripture that jumped out at me this morning was Luke twenty-one nineteen. Oops. <clears throat> one liner in your patience possess your souls so a soulish weight is full of questions bitter pronouncements unbelief self-pity impatience learning nothing, achieving nothing, only wanting deliverance and never seeing the growth opportunity that the Lord is holding out to us. So guess what, you'll go through it again. Because until you learn that he wants you to learn through that weight, you'll go through it again. <laughs> but a spiritual weight contains praise, peace, trust, thanksgiving and patience and sometimes it's just about kneeling before God in tears kissing his hand and trusting him quietly in all your frustrations so we got two types of weights a soulish weight full of questions a spiritual weight peaceful expectant because if you don't possess your soul believe me it will possess you if you don't get control over your mind your mind will have control over you and your thoughts will run absolutely wild uh, and you have no peace and peace is our portion you know <clears throat> so in between looking at this I came this morning as I say to that, that scripture Luke 21:19, in patience possess your soul you do the possessing nobody else there are things that no one else can do for you I think with the the problem with the church a lot of the, the, these days is that we want somebody else to do it for us but we don't actually want 
any effort involved. And I picked up this little book, Waiting on God, this morning, because that's what we need to do if we're going to possess our soul in patience. And we must learn too that we spend most of our life waiting on God. We actually spend, if you hear Joyce Mayer on it, she'll say you spend more time waiting on God than you do uh, doing anything else. The active part is much less than the waiting part. You can be active and be waiting at the same time. You're not. We would say waiting is sitting still waiting, but it's not active, it's quite active waiting because you've got to be um, listening for him um, and expectant. There are various things you need to be while you're waiting. You get to choose how, how you're going to wait, soulishly or spiritually, peacefully and expectantly. Um, this guy, Andrew Murray, some of you may be familiar with him. <clears throat> I looked up the word wait, and it's uh, in Strong's. Uh, he's using, I think it's Isaiah 40, you know, those who wait on the Lord will rise up with wings as eagles, or eagles even. Um, and he says ex it's to expect. The word stresses the straining of the mind in a certain direction with an expectant attitude and forward look with assurance. So everything in it is expectant, it's confident. So when you're waiting on God, you're waiting with expectancy. We don't have to go looking for him because he's here. Uh, the scriptures say he's not very far from any one of us. But so often we're straining and struggling and striving to get into his presence when all we need to do is sit quiet. And he will come to us and speak to us. And Andrew Murray, um, I think it did say when he was alive, it's in the 1800s, 1828 to 1917. And, oh, let me read this a bit at the back here. He was from South Africa. And when he was 78... He resigned from the pastorate and devoted most of his time to his manuscripts. <laughs> he didn't stop. And he apparently had a very scattered congregation because they were out in the outback there in, in South Africa and they couldn't get to church quotes very often. I mean, what we make of church, you know, how much we're supposed to be there every meeting and all this. But he uh, developed the way of writing little booklets for his people to help them in their daily walk so that they'd have something by their hand because they couldn't get to church. And, and this little book, Waiting on God, is like one of the little booklets. I think it's 1 to 31, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and the titles in it are, um, I'll give you a few, Waiting on God for Supplies, for Instructions, for strength and courage, in humble fear and hope, patiently keeping his ways for more than we know, for his counsel, to reveal, for him to reveal himself, um, for unlooked for things, to know his goodness quietly, for the coming of his son, for the promise of the Father continually and only. There are some that's some of the little headings, and he apparently wrote this on board ship. Uh, when he was going from one place to another because that's the only way they got there, didn't they? Um, and he says, I do not know if it will be possible for me to put into a few words the chief things we need to learn. 
But what I want to say here is this. The great lack of our faith is that we do not know God. The answer to every complaint of feebleness and failure, the message to every congregation or convention seeking instruction on holiness, ought simply to be, what is the matter? Have you not God? If you really believe in God, he will make everything all right. God is willing and able by his Holy Spirit. Is the bit. Cease from expecting the least good from yourself or the least help from anything that is in man. Just yield yourself unreservedly to God to work in you. He will do all for you. So it's a constant yielding to the Holy Spirit within you. Just giving in, giving up. Uh, I spoke to someone yesterday and um, it was, um, I can't get into the presence of God sort of thing. Do you think I need to pray some more? Or do, should I read the Bible more? And I thought, where do you start? The answer to that is no. It's not about more Bible reading or more prayer. It's about believing that he meets you when you stop. And you can stop anywhere. You can be right in the middle of your shopping and just turn inwardly. It's what Graham would call turning to the inward man of your spirit. You don't have to have the perfect circumstances in order to be in communion with God because he's there all the time. He lives in you. So we can equate patience with waiting and possessing our soul. And we don't wait for him, he's not like a bus, you know, he'll be along in five minutes. He's there. There is there are times when we're waiting for him to move or to bring provision and so that is okay, but it's not like waiting for him like a bus, if you see what I mean, which came to me this morning. And Isaiah forty three says, doesn't it? Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up with wings as eagles. They will run and not faint. They will walk and not faint. If I look at it, I can get it right. Yeah. It's actually Isaiah 40, 30 and 31. <coughs> Sorry, dear? Yeah, I'll go back to verse... Uh, tw oh, no, I've got to go what back chapter? here. Uh, Isaiah 40. Oh, this, this is one of the... <laughs> here I go. It's one of the most majestic passages in the Bible, as far as I'm concerned. I just, just listen to the majesty of God. I'm going back uh, to... to um, Verse 18. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare to him? The workman moulds a graven image, the goldsmith overspreads it with gold, and the silversmith casts silver chains. Whoever is too impoverished for such a contribution chooses a tree that won't rot. He seeks for himself a skilled workman to prepare a carved image that will not totter. Have you not known... Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? 
It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. Flat earth society, eat your heart out. There used to be that, do you remember that? And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing and makes the judges of the earth useless. Scarcely shall they be planted, scarcely shall they be sown, scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth, when he will also blow on them, and they will also wither, and the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. So here's God speaking. To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who's created these things who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, that is literally prostrated like an eagle, because an eagle, when he's lost his pinions, prostrates himself on a rock and waits for his pinions to grow because he done can't fly without them. That's why he uses the likeness of an eagle. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run. All the shells. Remember on Saturday I said <laughs> shall. <laughs> they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I've got various notes that I've written around this. Weight is the Strong's number is 6960 for anybody with a Strong's concordance. That was the straining of the mind in a certain direction with an expectant attitude. And power is 3581 and I haven't put a, um, a note by that. Or have I? And the young men who wait on the Lord is exchange their weakness and grow their flight feathers. So you've got an awful lot of promises in that little in that little piece, but the waiting is what is the imperative here? Is the waiting for your flight feathers because there's no way that you're going to take off without those. So they have to wait before they can rise up. So there are three, at least three promises here. One is that you will gain strength. Two is that you will sprout wings. And three is that you will run and not get weary. Too many of us wait, nothing happens, can't wait any longer, go and make something happen. Recipe for disaster. How many of us have done that? God has said something. Saul is a very good example. He was told to wait seven days. He waited seven days, but it went over the seven days. So he took the law into his own hands because he looked at the natural. The people were getting restless and Saul thought, got to do something. So he saves the best cattle, doesn't he? And he slaughters them as an offering for the Lord. 
and uh, Samuel comes along and says what means this bleating of cattle in my ears then if you've done what you were told to do he was disobedient and he didn't wait he took the law into his own hands and then he wondered why he lost the kingdom so we need to wait beyond waiting if that is sensible because God's just not very good at telling the time he doesn't turn up when we think he should I was uh, looking at something at Bob Mumford's this morning and he said uh, came the time when he was uh, a young Christian and uh, gas bill 30 days overdue and he said to the Lord uh, gas bill 30 days overdue do you still have gas? the Lord said he said yeah okay then wait on <laughs> what he was saying was your gas wasn't closed off June and I were talking about this this morning before you guys came and uh, she said the Lord had said to her is your car still going? well yeah well what are you worrying about then? <laughs> well I'm worrying about the day when it doesn't go you know, this is it isn't it? more month than money well I'm worrying about the end of the month when I haven't got it well just wait on it's hard because it does it goes completely against our natural man because we want to make something happen we just got to get in there and that's the soul that needs to be possessed in patience I just give God a bit of help I mean I could tell you story after story of how I've given God a bit of help none of them have come to fruition or borne any fruit at all it's always been completely a no-no now how would you like this one Exodus 24:12. Come up, he says to Moses. Present yourself to me. So up he goes. Stick in a stutter. Exodus 24:12. The Lord said to Moses, "Come up to me on the mountain and be there." And I will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written that you may teach them. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua and Moses went up to the mountain of God and he said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back. Indeed Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man has a difficulty let him, let him go to them. So he's up in the mountain and a cloud is covering the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai and it covered it for six days. So he's up there, got his pen all ready and his bit of stone ready to write this thing or whatever he's doing. Six days he's up there by himself. I think I'd have begun to think, I must have got this wrong. It's not going to turn up. I better go back down again and see what they're up to. Because I would have been thinking, I've left them for six days, the blighters, they'll be up to something. I better get down there all this go no Moses seventh day he calls to Moses at the midst of the cloud God's ways are not our ways neither are his thoughts our thoughts seven days up there Proverbs uh, 8 34 and 35 I would say that when we're being tested, it's us that's being tested, not him. 
you're the one that's being tested. Proverbs 8, 34 and 35. Blessed, this is talking of wisdom now. Praise of wisdom. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way. Hear instruction. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favour from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul, and those who hate me love death. the implication here is that you have got to wait and watch for the wisdom to come watching daily at my gates waiting at the posts of my doors we have to wait if God doesn't answer initially he will eventually and it is there that we stumble and fall I think a lot of the time we do not like the waiting business I don't know about you, I'm in a supermarket, I'm looking for the shortest queue. I'm not actually in any hurry, I just don't want to be hanging about behind somebody else. Joyce Mayer again, you know, she says, um, well I'm an important woman, she says, I need to get my shopping through here, you know. And the Lord says, Joyce. <laughs> ah, you're being tested. Isaiah 64.4, another lovely one promise for since the beginning of the world men have not heard or perceived by the ear nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. The acting comes when you've waited and waited well. You have to learn to wait well for things and then you get yourself into a suddenly of God. I suppose I've been waiting for so long about the promises that God gave me 20 odd years ago um, that he actually gave to me personally not through a prophetic word um, that I've put them up on a great high shelf up there and I've almost forgotten what they were. Um, but on a number of occasions recently people have come to me and said everything that God has said to you is going to come to pass. So I'm having to get them off the shelf, blow the dust off and have a look and see what that was. And now suddenly I find myself in something that I had no idea about at all. Started last the August before last when we had the first women's conference I had no idea what that was going to lead into no idea that in 12 months or so's time we'd be upgrading a website so we could download the teaching I mean awesome I used three words when I was talking to Lola rang me yesterday I said it was awesome it was astonishing and it was amazing they all began with A on Saturday I said it was that's how it was for me. I don't know how it was for you guys. But for me, that's how it was. Um, because I spend a few, half an hour, three quarters of an hour before a meeting like that. I've prepared everything. And suddenly I've got a whole load of stuff. 
But the interesting thing is that if you were sitting there, you would say, but you've only got a couple of sentences. That's actually all I got, but in here I got a download. Those sentences were just triggers to what I knew he'd put in, and it's like he turns the tap on, or as Deborah would call it, the faucet. I had to do an adjustment on Monday night she was talking about her faucets. I thought, faucets, wait a minute, that's, that's American for tap. <laughs> but that comes as a result of waiting on God and, and being able to tune myself in immediately to what he wants to do. It's a discipline. And it's, it's a skill that we learn, is to wait on him for moment-by-moment moment instructions when I'm doing this, I'm listening all the while to see if he wants to go in a different direction. I mean, I found that all, I want to hear what he had to say on Saturday because all I know is he gave me that word seduction and, I, and, it, and that is opening out even more. Um, years ago, when I was first a Christian, there was a book called The Seduction of Christianity. Um, it's on the shelf up there. And yesterday I found myself going there, and it was uh, there was another one that followed it called Beyond Seduction. And I was reading it, and yesterday, and uh, at the end of the day, I thought this is actually what we're right in the middle of now, because it was warning about the way that because people were going to be seduced into various um, streams. Of, of Christianity and the big one he was talking about was the name it claim it blab it and grab it as they call it um, the faith teaching uh, the prosperity gospel you sow to get you know you sow into a ministry in order that you get uh, and it came even more clearly to me when reading it yesterday about how when I asked the Lord about money matters and the whole teaching on money came out that tithing is not a New Testament principle. What's happened is that people have got that, said, if you sow a seed faith here, you sow one dollar, you get a hundred back. That is, that is the basis of the prosperity teaching, and it is totally non-biblical. And what this book undid was some of the belief systems of the people that were in this. It was positive thinking stuff that came from Vincent Peale and people like that who are not Christians. But they Christianized it. And this is the danger of stuff like alternative medicine. Oh, well, stick Jesus' name over the top of it and it'll be all right. I was speaking to someone yesterday and uh, in the midst of the conversation she said, well, I've been to my homeopath. I thought, oh, we might have to have a word about that, but we won't go there now. Um, and... Christians are being seduced away by these things because they are plausible. Satan ain't daft. He's going to give you something that is plausible. But you really need to see where is it grounded and rooted in Scripture. You need to take away what I say and say, okay, Father, we're all fallible. Show me it myself. Because each one of us is meant to be able to rightly divide the word of God. It's not for just a few people. It is so that we will all know and therefore not be led by the nose off into deception. Because right now, in, in this time that we're in, deception is going to be the name of the game. 
the enemy is just going to deceive us by any means at all and the most likely one is through our sensuality it will appeal to our senses it will appeal to pleasure it will appeal to getting it quick so he'll take you off the agape road into that one there on the other hand if you don't really know the father's heart he'll take you off into legalism and and that I realize is what I've got the, the problem I've got with one of the young lads is um, you know you, you when he said to me about um, you know you, you you can't keep leaning on grace and I thought yeah I can because <laughs> it's all I've got <laughs> By the grace of God, Paul said, I am what I am. And I thought, no, no, there's a problem here. And it was not It was this morning, really, that the Lord showed me that you've got these two things. You go one or two ways. If you're scared of going into the sensual, you're going to legalism. You know, everything is a prohibition. You can't do that. You can't have that. You mustn't do that. But if you're going the middle road, which is agape in the Father's heart, you're relaxed. You trust in Him to keep you. You're going in the right direction. You're having your mind renewed. You make your mistakes. But then you only learn through. Make I do. If anybody's different, please put your hand up. Teach me how you do it. I mean, I make my mistakes, and that's how I learn. I mean, God said to Graham, I just wish you'd been more adventurous and made more mistakes. I've got to talk to you so much more. We think, got to get it right, got to get it right, got to get it right. You know, I never <coughs> forget when the Lord said to me, I was wanting to pray for someone early in, in the in the healing ministry time that I was in the healing ministry. And I'm thinking, I've got to get this prayer right because I must hit the spot with this prayer. And then the Holy Spirit said to me with a chuckle, do you think when Moses struck the water he had to have the stick at a certain angle? <laughs> One minute, get it, get it. Put it like that. That's it, yeah, yeah. Got it. He said, just pray and I'll do it. Oh, we can get ourselves in such a to-do and a tussle and a t he knows he knows he just loves us you know I always think I always see um, a baby you know standing four square with the nappy hanging down between <laughs> you know look at me walking you know takes two steps and then splat down on it again he's a clever boy how you get you know I mean that's the way it is God just enjoys our efforts to do this thing. Um, and he gives us the grace and he's always there to pick us up. Because if our hearts are right, if our hearts are do what he wants us to do, he doesn't say you've got to be able to do it. He just says, just put your soul, your heart in the right direction. Get your eyes up. I mean, what I would say to you is that there's an awful lot of stuff out there that's got a Christian over it that you don't that is not necessarily of God, uh, is based on a scripture, but is not true. It's not what it's saying, because it's taken out of context, or the next two verses you haven't read. Um, oh. <coughs> Well, that's why he says test all the spirits, doesn't he? I mean, test the spirits. Test, test the spirit to see if they be of God. But the, the, a lot of the Christian stuff that is there is is they don't deliberately set out to deceive. No. First of all, they get deceived. Now, this is just me. Um, 
no it isn't just me uh, this is something that David and I were talking about on Monday and I was absolutely astonished to see that what I'd sniffed out was right you will be familiar with um, Exabus, Ebenezer, Alia, bring them back into their homeland, it's all scriptural, they're coming back into Israel, are you following me here? You know, Exabus and all those things are to bring the Jews back into their land, okay? And I had always thought, very kind, but you're bringing them back for judgment because that's what the Word of God says. I'd never said anything to anyone and I had, could not ever support anything that wanted support for bringing these dear ones back into the country. Because for one thing they're not giving them the Gospel, they're just bringing them back in. That's all. And they're overloading a country that hasn't got any infrastructure for a start, but they feel as if they're doing the work of the Lord. Now David um, is uh, you know Hebrew scholar and I got talking to him somehow it came up on Monday uh, and, uh, and uh, about Exabus and the Ebenezer fund and all this and that and I said well I've never agreed with it actually and he said to me well the scripture that they use I think it's in Jeremiah does actually stop short of what it's actually saying. Exodus, because something I've never heard of. Uh, Exodus is the second Exodus. Oh. Uh, they are people who are bringing Jews back yeah. into the homeland. They so come from like all over the people. all over the world, Russia and everywhere like that, to bring them back. But it, it, what I'm saying is, it's based upon a false premise. Mm. Like an organisation, then, is it? It's an organisation, Exodus. Yes. Um, it's, it's Jeremiah 16 and I think it's probably verses 14 to 16 it's headed up God's promise of Judah's restoration therefore behold the days are coming says the Lord that it shall no more be said the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt but the Lord lives, who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and all the lands where he driven them. For I will bring them back into their land, which I gave to their fathers. Behold, I will send for many fishermen, says the Lord, and they shall fish them. And afterwards I shall send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain, every hill, and out holes in the rocks. So they say, we're the fishermen, we're the hunters, we're bringing them back, we're doing God's job for him. Um... But you read the next two verses. For my eyes are on all their ways, they are not hidden from my face, nor is their iniquity hidden from my eyes. And first, I will repay double for their iniquity and their sin, because they have defiled my land, they have defiled my inheritance with the carcasses of their detestable and abominable idols. They're coming back for judgment. But a scripture has been grasped there and whole ministries have been built and over these things. We just got talking about this thing. I don't, you know how you do, because he's, you know, into the things. And yet in my, in my Noah, I'd known it was wrong. But I hadn't seen that scripture. But in my Noah, I knew the thing was wrong. 
Now, when I was first born again, I got off on what I would call faith teaching, which I'd ended up having to have deliverance from David for. But it taught me an awful lot, because God does, doesn't it? About listening to what is being said and lining it up with what the scriptures actually say. They can sell you a package because they've been sold the package, but it ain't scriptural. So imagine if these things are doing the wrong thing and God suddenly decides to blow on them, it's collapse of, of all these huge ministries. He may or may not. But I be, my, my, my firm thought is we are in the, the time now where God is blowing on anything that he has not actually um, started and initiated. And my reason for that is the scripture that he gave me um, at Christmas time uh, 2002 and I have held this one before him and I, I continue to ask him what he's saying it's Matthew 15 it's headed up debate over tradition and I'll read it all this is about discerning the times, the signs of the times, discerning what God is actually doing, discerning the move of God now, not actually staying in the old one, he wants to move in the new, but this particular one. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders, for they do not wash their hands when they eat bread? But he answered them and said, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honour your father and mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him put, be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me has been dedicated to the temple, in other words, says, I've in the money off for themselves, is released from honouring his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites, actors, pretenders. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and honour me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Then he called the multitude and said, Hear and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of his mouth. This defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into the ditch. Every plant which my Father in heaven has not planted will be uprooted. And I said to David, I feel we are in that time. Got a phone call from Lola yesterday. She just recently joined a new fellowship. My fellowship's closing. I didn't ask her why. I thought if it's been started because a man has wanted to start something, God's going to close it down. Simple as that. And when he says they draw near to me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their heart's far from me, we don't have his heart on things. And so things get misrepresented. Using the scriptures like that there, 
which sounds ever so good, gives you a warm fuzzy and a feel good, when you're sending your money into something like this, that is bringing the Jews back into Israel, because after all that's what God said. Churches all over the country, all over the world must be doing this. I don't want to be taken back into my homeland for judgment, thanks very much. And it says somewhere else, God will whistle for them and they'll all turn up. He doesn't need our help. Do you see how a scripture, can, a whole ministry can be based on a scripture? So you need to test it out, test it out. Get before God, ask him if this is the case. Get before him, ask him if what I've said is right. Because I don't want to be telling you things that aren't right. But it's this seduction business. Seduction and sensuality are far more apparent or hidden than is apparent to us. But because we live in this lot, we can't untangle the sea of what is the feel-good factor. Some dear friends of ours, they give here, there and everywhere. And I'm thinking, you haven't weighed out those ministries you're sending your money to. You're sending them because, oh, well, they're, they're a bit funny, they're a bit wacky, they're American, they're a bit wacky. Send us these little plastic things at Christmas time, you know, with a plastic Virgin Mary and David and, and uh, Joseph and baby in the cot, you know, and goes round and round and makes a noise. And I'm thinking, no discernment. No discernment. So be aware. Just, just, just be a bit wise about what you support. Find out what, what, what the scripture is they base it on. Where are they coming from? I mean, this whole seduction of Christianity thing was actually, um, and Mark Verkler is mentioned in the beginning of the book, and that's 20 years ago this book was written, 87, I think, mm -hmm. just 20 years ago. So I thought Mark Verkler's been around for a bit because this guy was absolutely down like a ton of bricks uh, on the healing ministry emotional healing, inner healing you know and all that so mixed in with everything there was that as well it was mixed in as a whole um, thing about uh, the name it, claim it, the blab it and grab it the faith ministry, the whole lot you know was all there um, I'm not sure what you mean by name it, claim it, blab it and grab it well there is a prosperity gospel uh, Yongi Cho was one who I could never go along with. Never go along with Yongi Cho. Cho, I don't care if he had the biggest church in Korea or wherever it was. I could never, I couldn't read any of his books and I couldn't, there was something in me that felt, this is not right but I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. He was, if you want something, you have to be absolutely specific. If you want a bicycle, you want to say it's got to have two, two wheels, two handlebars and pair of brakes, a couple of pedals. You've got to be specific about what you're asking God for. Yeah, you're naming it and you are claiming it as though you have a right, like God's a great big Father Christmas, mm. just waiting for you to say what you want. Just like wish list Upside down. Upside down. We have forgotten that we are the created and He is the creator. And if you look around... There's an awful lot of that. Bless me, look at me, look after me, fix me up, get me what I want, give me my ministry. E -e 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 -e. Servants, you've got to look for them. 
Nobody wants to be a servant. Nobody wants to unblock the toilet. Nobody wants. Nobody wants it. People might think they want my job. First, you've got to learn to unblock everybody's toilets. Well, if it was unblocking the toilet, really? <laughs> <laughs> Not a nice thing. Mm. Not a nice thing. You've got a, a long rubber gloves and a very short memory because you don't remember anything. You just don't. Um, you've got to want. You, it's actually what you need is to love him. And then you'll do what he asks you to do. That's the only prerequisite is to set your heart on him. You know. So there are people out there teaching this? Teaching wrong stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No. You, 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 in a way, you're sheltered by being weak. <laughs> you're sheltered because you're in the obvious. <laughs> See what I mean? So you're the charismatic movement, absolutely full of dossy stuff. You know, I mean, get to the end time stuff, and boy, uh, boy, you come into a minefield of it. You're going through the tribulation. No, you're not. You're going to come up. If, you'll go up if you're good enough. You'll stay for the first three and a half years if you're not good enough, and then you'll get taken up. But you need a bit of purging first. Yeah, I mean, you just you need to know what is out there, and so that you can see what is wrong. And the type, the, what happened with me was being brought into it, and and because I was so in love with the Lord, I just got completely sucked in by false teaching, which was called the faith teaching. And I, I, I took my glasses off, and my boss, Manny, used to say, "Oh, you've been talking to that God of yours again." I couldn't see what I was doing. <laughs> Ended up with you guys phoning up, didn't it? David came over. Sue knows all about this, and uh, delivered me. In the, in the office of a deceiving religious spirit of fear. Mm. Uh, I know what it is uh, to be in fear and, and religion will bring you into fear quicker than anything else. The man who was teaching it didn't intend that mm. but in the back, on the back of his teaching came the demonic which did the lot. So you, you've got to stick to this, know this and know him and he will interpret this for you uh, and show you whether it's right, wrong or indifferent. But I, I do think we're going to be in a time now where anything that God hasn't set up very lovingly is going to pull the plug on and it's just going to go down the plagueule um, because he wants us to have a reward at the end of the day. <laughs> Can I ask some questions? Yeah, because a lot of the teaching that I used to get at my other, other church was about evangelism, 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 and pray, 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 people into the kingdom and all that. And there was something about that that I never Help kind me. of could. And it was like my pastor would would um, testify in an almost kind of a you know not boastful but in a way a proud way that he prayed all of these members, almost all of the members of his family, into the kingdom. And I'm like thinking, but that doesn't sit right on me and I've had arguments with, not arguments, but I've had discussions with people and knowing that the, what I'm saying is is right and yet I almost got chucked out of my church because of that because yeah. that day I went, remember, he brought that up and said you've been saying this at Cell Group and you know, against the fact that evangelism, evangelism yeah. and pray, 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 people into the... Yeah. But they're all predestined, we are all predestined anyway. We can't pray somebody into the kingdom who isn't going to ever come to God. No. And no. that's what... It's the Holy Spirit's work. Yeah. He, he softens the ground. We sow the seed, walk on, 
and and the Holy Spirit and does the work. Right, so people yeah, we we see. just don't know who's going to come in. Yeah. But it's God that puts on your heart the people to pray for. That's anyway. right. That's otherwise, it's just it's sweat. Otherwise, it is legalism, and you're sort yeah. of under this sweat. huge burden to do it all. It's absolute sweat, mm. and it's not, you know. It's just so far from his heart. It's so far from his heart. God calls people to be drawn to him anyway, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He would that all men be saved, but they won't. Mm -hmm. Because of the rebellion of mankind, they won't. Um, But to to, to major on one aspect, Mm -hmm. it's lifestyle, not evangelism, that will do it. People will see something different and they'll want to know what you've got and... And they'll come asking. Light, then they ain't gonna see you anyway, are No, no. It's the Holy Spirit that is doing the work. It's, and it's it's like uh, it's like almost like dominion teaching. We're gonna get the whole world sorted out, get everybody in the kingdom, and then Jesus can come back. That's dominion teaching. That you come up against as well. Very triumphalistic. We're gonna do it. And why is the world getting worse? Oh well, never mind. We are we are gonna do it. We are gonna do. It. We never were given that mandate. We will go into the world and make disciples. You don't have many of them to the pound. <laughs> so yeah, it's God's putting it right. It's it's like the scales have gone down like that, and He's bringing it right into balance and into order. So we're going to see a lot of things that um, have have flourished just suddenly withering and going, because Ichabod's written over the door. The glory has departed. He's not any longer going to bless our fleshly efforts because they've got the stink of sweat on them and he won't he can't touch it he will not mix his glory and he you know if glory stealers well the bottom line is and it you know it doesn't matter whatever teaching we get the bottom line is our relationship with him absolutely and it's out of that it flows it? out of that everything no. everything you can't twist his arm up his back you bob mumford he says um i fasted for 21 days and all i got was thin because he wanted something. His wife kept saying, why didn't you have something? He said, I was like a meaner than a junkyard dog. <laughs> it's what he calls Christian demeanor. Demeanor they get. <laughs> so funny, so funny. What a wealth there is of understanding in that man and love. Uh, for the father and the father's ways you know you need to do one thing and that is be a father pleaser everything for an audience of one I don't give a stuff what anybody else thinks you know don't you think you should have no you've got to be careful how you this is this is the sort of comment I get now you need to be a bit be careful how you do that you know and I'm thinking how do you want me to do it and he says you be you and I'll be me and that'll be enough because anything else is actually making me self-conscious, rigid, careful, in case I say the wrong thing and tread on a toe. I mean, you know, I have that picture of all these throbbing big toes like that <laughs> and me trying to walk through these. They were like going like light bulbs, all these. And I'm, oh, there's another one. Oh, dear. And I couldn't, I cu- every step I took, I trod on half a dozen toes almost. He said, hmm, how do you like a ministry like that? But so long as when I come and I present myself to him and I say, Father, how did I do? And he says, okay, I've covered your mistakes. Mm. Times he says that to me, I've covered your mistakes. You know the classic, I think I've told you, have I that one? 
we had someone here they were members of the old church that we went to and um, the man I mean he was just so rejected that it wasn't true the behaviour was appalling everything came out of this rejection and I'd spoken to him saying you know in conversation that you need to, to come and see me because there's this you've got this problem sort of thing you know very bold that I am he complained to one of the elders about what I'd said so the elder is on his way home he's, he's a lawyer he's on his way home he's driving home and he said to the Lord what is this then that what's Beryl supposed to have done uh, and the Lord said to him, I've covered it. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. So that night he got the appointment with the guy who duly comes along and they sit down, they have a little pray, and he says, so, okay, Fred, or whatever his name was, what is it that Beryl did? He couldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> he could not remember what the complaint against me was. I mean, I find that absolutely awesome. Mm. I've covered your mistakes. Mm. Graham would say he stands in our credibility gap and laughs. I do not set out to upset people. I haven't got an agenda. I've got his. I do not. But if I offend, I'm terribly sorry. But would you like to take that with it? Because, you know, I'm Buster Balaam's ass. I just say whatever he's given me to say in the best way I can say it, you know. I never forget, for some reason or other, this has come into my mind when we were round at, um, when we first came down here, Joyce and I, we attended David's fellowship round the corner there. And one of the young men was speaking at the time, and he chose a piece from, I think it was Hosea, where it says, uh, The Lord has torn, but he will bind up. The Lord has um, rebuked us, sort of thing, but he, it, he'll, he'll uh, after three days, um, he will um, return and we'll, it'll be alright he will restore us he got this scripture that he was about to expound and the first thing he said out of his mouth was but it isn't us and I thought you just missed it mate it is us God had given him the message and he immediately took away what the message was and preached it as though it was for someone else Fellowship's closed now. Well, as good as. There's half a dozen of them around there. Because God had sent someone to give a message to bring us into line. Try to find it. So zero, I think. Father. Here we are. So zero six. Come, let us return to the Lord. For he is torn, but he will heal us. He is stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. But that's not for us, he said. Got a responsibility if God makes you a mouthpiece, I'll tell you. Anyway, Isaiah 64.4 He's the God who acts on behalf of the one who waits for him. Usually it's the opposite. We act while the Lord waits for us. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Isaiah thirty eighteen, The Lord longs to be gracious to you. 
He longs to be gracious, but he won't do it on your terms. Isaiah 30, 30, 30, verse 18. Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Lord, grant us patience and grant it now. He longs to be, longs to be gracious. And we act while he waits for us. The ability to wait on God expresses our reliance on him. It's a form of prayer that is birthed in dependence on God and it's a spiritual weapon. The enemy uses two ploys. One is to hold us back when God's told us to do something and the other is to push us forward into presumption so as we fall over. So he'll hold us back so we miss God's purpose and timing or forward so we trip up into presumption. That's all I was talking about earlier on. You weren't here. The people were restless. So I. Blame first. You weren't here. Like what you said you were going to be. Who do you think held Samuel back? God probably said, hang about a bit, Samuel. Just wait for a minute. I just want to test Saul a bit. Let's just see what he's going to do. I'm not sure if it's 2 Samuel 13 or something like that, isn't it? If we want to look at it. I can't remember now. You know the passage where uh, he won't wait. Do what, Pat? That's it, yeah. Yes, 1 Samuel 13. He only reigned for a year or two. And Samuel said, what have you done? Verse 11. He waited seven days, verse 8, according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel didn't come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul was a people pleaser. He wanted to keep the people with him, so he does something. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and a peace offering here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he finished offering the burnt offering that Samuel came, wouldn't he just... And Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? First question, what have you done? Here's the prophet. He knows full well what he's done. And he asked him. And Saul said, when I saw the people were scattered from me, and you didn't come within the days appointed, and the Philistines gathered, he's looking at circumstances, together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Oh, let's go into religion. Therefore I felt compelled, in other words, I couldn't wait, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you've done foolishly. Test, you see, test command he had, and he blew it. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. Now actually, Samuel commanded him to wait. 
but it was as good as God telling him because Samuel's the prophet. For now the Lord would establish your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. For the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. There's a brilliant book by R.T. Kendall called The Anointing, and it's about yesterday's man, today's man, and tomorrow's man. And yesterday's man is Saul, today's man is Samuel, and tomorrow's man is David. Uh, And it's absolutely brilliant, because it talks about how to to recognise the three, yesterday's man, today's man, and tomorrow's man. Because yesterday's man is a man of the flesh. Saul is, is, is in the flesh there. But David is a man of the spirit. And Samuel was like the bridge between the two, bringing the word of God into it. So you weren't here. The people were restless, so I. And give evidence that you're waiting and waiting well. Express your confidence in him. Dependency on him, not yourself, is the key. Recognise that God is your source of supply. Nothing and no one else is your source of supply. He has to constantly bring me back to this. I was listening to to, uh, Graham last night on my iPod while I was going to sleep and he talked about uh, uh, provision. God bringing you into his purposes and provision guaranteed and I'm thinking I need to remember this get your eyes off that barrel get your eyes onto him onto what he wants to do he is the source of supply (coughs) nothing and no one else so you could sum waiting up as love plus obedience and expectancy that's how you wait you wait in the place of loving him, blessing him, obeying him and expecting him. Because the first thing you need to do is to believe that he's here. He's omnis- omnipotent, so he's everywhere. So you haven't got to go anywhere to find him, if you see what I mean. If you just sit still, he'll find you. It's when we're running everywhere trying to find him. Sit still, there he is. Psalm 139, whither can I go? Wait expectantly. Poise yourself towards him and be open all the time from here to, uh, hit about to, to hear from him. That is life in the spirit. All the time you're poised. You're not tensed. You're poised so that you can hear from him at any time. Speak to you in the loo, going down the garden, putting your foot in the bath whatever you happen to be doing in your ordinary everyday life you're open to him speaking to you it's not in that five minutes that you squeeze in between breakfast and going out the door or whenever your quiet time is you know it's stay tuned your antenna are up if I could make the noise thank you (laughs) and you're tuned in we enter by faith and we believe So if falling asleep is something you struggle with when you're having your quiet time, change your posture. Um, Stand up or get on your knees or ask the Holy Spirit to help you. 
I want to learn this, please help me. This is where you engage the Holy Spirit's assistance because that's what he's in you for. He's your personal trainer. When I was doing or starting, God has spoken to me about that paper on morality. Uh, and I sat there and I thought, I do not know where to start. Because normally he's given me a nugget of something that I can start with and build around. With this one, I had absolutely nothing. And I'd heard Graham say, very spiritual prayer is help. So with all my heart, I said, Lord, help. I can't do this. And I got a download that just started me. He was just waiting for me to say, help. Dependency. Can't do it without. I want to do it. So when you're going to want to, to be quiet with God, start with five minutes and work up. Don't go for a whole day first off. I think that was either this last school or the one before wasn't it start with a small amount of time where you just come into his presence and just be don't start praying don't start reading just be and the other thing is I think it's 1 Corinthians 6.19 I've finished with this your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit you can have a meeting anytime you like because you've got, you are church. You're the temple. So you can have a rave with the Holy Spirit anytime you feel like it. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God and you are not your own. So you and the Holy Spirit can have a meeting anytime you like. The problem is with church, we wait till we get together and then hope we can grant, crank something up. If we all come together, there's enough of us, we might be able to crank it up. No, if we all come together having had a meeting on the way to the church, whoosh, we take off because we come in at a high place of worship. all comes back to our own personal walk. Have your own church service. Pull yourself in. Focus on the spiritual side. So you learn, you focus and you enter by faith. That's the way it happens. You will learn, you focus and you enter by faith. You're not going to feel anything. It's not a warm fuzzy. Sometimes I'll sit there and I'll say, Father, I know that you're here. I know you're with me. I don't feel a thing. Most often I don't feel a thing. It's faith that I'm moving in. I know he's here because he's omnipresent and omniscient and omnipotent. He knows everything in advance, but he still likes us to tell him. So you will be renewed and God will act and accomplish in and through you all that is his purpose for you. I was speaking to somebody yesterday who's coming to see me and uh, she said, I've got a lot of ideas about what I'd like to do, but I really want to find out what God's plan is for my life. I thought, yeah, I like that. I, I like that. She's going to be open. To, she said, I could go to my friends, but they'll only tell me what they think I want to hear. She said, they won't pray. They won't seek the Lord and find out. Whereas she said, if I go to someone who doesn't know me, then I, I know I'll get the only things what she said. Be gentle with me. I thought, I'll try. <laughs> 
so. You will be renewed. He will act and accomplish in you and through you all that is his purpose for you if you will train yourself to wait on him. Now then, what's he say here? Quietly. No. There's something I read this morning. Patiently. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. In patience possess ye your souls. Is that uh, thing again. This is uh, Andrew Murray again. If we truly set ourselves to wait upon God, we will find that it is with him we are impatient. Because he doesn't at once, or as soon as we would wish, do our bidding. It is in waiting upon God that our eyes are opened to believe in his wise and sovereign will. Then we will see that the sooner and more completely we absolutely yield to it, the more surely his blessing can come to us. In all the exercises of the spiritual life, our reading and praying, our willing and doing have their value, but they can go no further than this, that they point the way and prepare us in humility, which was what we looked at before, to look to and depend upon God himself and in patience to wait for his good time and mercy. The waiting is to teach us our absolute dependence on God's mighty working and to make us in perfect patience place ourselves at his disposal. They that wait on the Lord will inherit the land, the promised land and its blessing. Heirs must wait. They can afford to wait. Amen. This patience honours God greatly. It leaves him as God on the throne to do his work. It yields self wholly into his hands. It lets God be God. If your waiting is for some special request, wait patiently. If your waiting is more than an exercise of the spiritual life, seeking to know and have more of God, wait patiently. Whether it is in shorter, specific periods of waiting, or as the continuous habit of the soul, rest in the Lord, be still before the Lord, and wait patiently. They that wait on the Lord shall inherit the land. My soul, wait thou only upon God. And that is probably the last scripture. I think it is Psalm 63. And we used to have it up in the hallway. I don't know if it's still up there. My soul, wait thou only upon God. For my expectation is from Him. No, Psalm 62 then maybe. Psalm 62.5 My soul waits silently for God alone. Stop jabbering. For my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defence. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God 
is a refuge for us. Amen. Psalm 62, 5 to 8. Amen. Thank you.